just the first part of this. And I want to speak on the subject, the discipline of the mind. The discipline of the mind. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You notice what the, the scripture is saying. For as he thinketh in his heart. This is talking about an individual. The way you think determines the path you take in life. And you may be seated. <clears throat> this has been a very, very great week for us. My mom has been here. Of course, you're aware of that. She's been here almost a month. She will be leaving Wednesday. But uh, we've had such great times together. Yesterday evening, we had a big get-together out at our home. And we had grandkids and all over the place and all over the beds and the cabinets and you name it. And it was raining and they were outside and catching frogs and uh, toads. Buckets of toads and frogs and a salamander. <clears throat> we just had a great time. And then uh, yesterday, Brother Sister Armstrong's son, Tim, was married. We attended the wedding, participated in it. And then we had Brother and Sister Hart here, and he preached for us Thursday night. Did a great job there with us again this morning. It's so good to have Brother and Sister Hart with us. They're just very precious people. Uh, of course, uh, Ken and Betty Armstrong were here. They're not in service uh, with us this morning. They had to leave and go back, along with Sister Bernadine Armstrong. But it was just good to see them. Oh, this has just been a great week. Here at Calvary Gospel Church, within the last month and a half, we've had several visiting preachers. We've had uh, Brother Story with us for a Sunday school convention, then a children's crusade. We've had three missionaries with us. Uh, we we had Youth Week with Brother uh, Craig Borman, which we've had Brother Hart. I, I mentioned this. We just maybe I've missed some, but we have had just uh, a great great smorgasbord <coughs> of the Word of the Lord, and I really do appreciate this so very very much. God has really done so much for us. Praise God! But this is another service, and this is another day. Uh, I made mention two weeks ago on Thursday night about the coming of the Lord. We talked about this and about the battle that's going on. Brother Earl Story talked to us about the New Age versus our children. Uh, I read an article from September 15th paper. I brought the paper to the pulpit again. I just had it in my office. And this is a statement that's made by Walter Payton. See, there is a... There is a, a battle going on for your mind. There's no doubt about it. Uh, <clears throat> you see your little children. One of the things you want to do as your child develops is to capture his mind. Now, in the world, a lot of people call this brainwashing. Uh, <clears throat> I uh, have never looked at the term in an evil sense like some people have. They said, oh, well, you brainwash your child. Well, something's going to brainwash your child. See? But the thing about it is, if you brainwash your child with the word, uh, you can be rest assured that his heart will be blood washed. That uh, 
there will be a time in which the power of God will come and convict him of his sins. He will repent of those sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ will separate his sins from him as far as east is from west. Uh, See, you you just don't walk through life without opinions. Uh, You just don't walk through life as, as independent as what... Uh, you think you do. Some people get they get this independent spirit where they won't listen to anyone, but the truth of the matter is they have been listening. They've been listening to a whole lot of people that says don't listen to anyone. You know, it's like the uh, back in the 60s when the, the, uh, the hippie movement, you know, they said we are anti-establishment. We don't want people to tell us what to do. Uh, the anti-authority. Uh, it's amazing now that this movement now is the establishment. And uh, see, after a while, there was a stereotype hippie. Uh, and, and everybody wanted to be like the... the not everybody, obviously. <clears throat> but uh, a lot of people wanted to be, uh, be, be, like, like, be like the hippie. Uh, uh, people <clears throat> are not islands that just sit out in the middle of life unattached. This is why Jesus said, No man liveth unto himself, and no man dieth unto himself. That we are all influenced by one thing or another. If there was nothing for you to see, nothing for you to read, nothing for you to hear, and no place to go, it might be different. But it isn't that way. You have... Two eyes, you have two ears, you can touch, you can feel, uh, you have a heart in which you feel emotions, uh, and you are influenced. Everyone is influenced. Now, Walter Payton is making a statement concerning the uh, Food for Thought uh, Literacy Campaign Program. This is what he said, Walter Payton has some advice for parents. Now, I don't know anything about his religious beliefs. I don't even know if Walter Payton goes to, to church at all. He may have never seen a Sunday school in action. Now, he may be a church-going man. I just don't know. I'm just, I'm just telling you that uh, as far as I know, that this is, this is pretty much a secular statement, all right? Walter Payton has some advice for parents. Get rid of the television set. <clears throat> That's what he says. You know who is raising your kids? Question mark. TV. It's the worst thing in the world for kids, said the National Football League Hall of Famer Monday in Little Rock, Arkansas, while on a five-city tour for the Food for Thought Literacy literacy Program. When you do have kids, he says, take your TVs out of your house or at least lock them up. In other words, don't let them see. That's what he's saying. Now, he's saying all that because they're he obviously recognized that there is a war to capture the mind of the child. And there's a war to capture your mind and my mind. Now, I'd be the first one to admit that there are some things that come to us through the media and even TV that would be wholesome and perhaps good for you. But I'd also be the first one to say 
that there are many, many, many evil, corrupt thoughts and attitudes. See, Not too long ago, an article appeared in the paper concerning a panel that had been been uh, chosen. I think Senator Simonson from Illinois was chairing this. He's a Democratic senator. But uh, he was uh, coming down hard against what is being shown on TV, especially the violence. And, of course, he was attributing a lot of the crime in America on this. And he went into a lot of detail, statistically speaking, about uh, the effect that it has on, on kids. And not only kids, but but young adults. Uh, of course, I think we could all say that if, you know, if, if you if your interest is watching someone make love, if that's where your interest is, you're, you will become victimized by this. We wonder why that sex is such a, a large thing in the states today. It's because that that's what has been. Uh, programmed into our 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 minds. You go in any one of our offices or in our classroom. We have computers. What you program into it is that is what you get out of it. What you feed into it is what you what you get out of it. That, that's just the way it works. Uh, <clears throat> and it is amazing that that some things can be so interesting to people, and yet they say, "Well, I." I personally uh, don't really care for that kind of stuff. That's kind of a double standard, isn't it? In other words, I think you can secretly uh, agree with things and promote those things and in your own heart uh, feel that it's something you'd really like to become involved in, or at least it's enticing. Now, I've done enough counseling to know that even... Among good, what we would consider good, solid Christian people, that 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 some people can have affairs in their minds. They can do this. They can have an affair in their mind with with someone. This is why Jesus said, "If a man looks upon a woman to lust after her, he has committed adultery in his heart already." That uh, the the beginning of all human activities take place in the mind. Now, in the book of Proverbs, it says, as a man thinketh in his heart. The heart that is speaking of here is what we would consider the subconscious mind. Now, this is not a PMA rally or message. It is strictly biblical. PMA, we mean positive mental attitude. But the subconscious mind controls the individual. You catch yourself just doing certain things. You wonder why you do that, because that's, that was programmed into you many, many years ago uh, through your conscious mind. In other words, you conscientiously took uh, steps to program yourself, to make you the way that you are. Now, <clears throat> what you think on is what you become, or what you are, or what you eventually become. And the devil is trying to gain control of the human race. And I might say that he is doing a pretty good job of it. Now, I don't consider people who are influenced by the devil 
as being possessed with the devil. But I do know that that influence leads eventually, that is if the devil has his way, to uh, demon possession. And I think that uh, there's plenty of that in the world. Some of you may not be aware of that. But some of the most horrible hate crimes and such that are committed uh, in, in our world are no doubt committed by people who have the devil residing in their hearts to the point in which he just takes over and controls them. The scripture, especially in the, book, the books of the Gospels, bear witness of, of demon possession. Jesus, when he was here, delivered many people who were demon-possessed. They had literally allowed the devil to take over. Now, <clears throat> we have a lot of negative thinking in our world today. It seems like that we're, we're just kind of programmed that way. Uh, <clears throat> you know, it's just a, a common thing is, you know, you see a, a tow truck. A lot of people call them a wrecker. Uh, they're not really wreckers. Uh, the wreck's already happened. They have nothing to do with the wreck. They just tow away the wreck. We call them wreckers. Uh, but, but you see, what I'm saying is that, you know, we, we, we traffic lights. Down south they call them red lights. Well, they're only red a short period of time. They're green as long as they're red. But you call them red lights. Uh, here in the north when I moved up here, I thought it was amazing. Uh, people call them stop and go lights. I like that. <clears throat> it does remind you you need to stop. But also that, that you can go. <laughs> I had a good one pulled on me when I was moving up here. We stopped in St. Louis. And the guy was giving directions. He said, go down to the electric stop sign. And I could not understand. <clears throat> I didn't know what electric stop sign was. And I went down the street thinking that there was going to be a, you know an octagon-shaped stop sign that somehow was going <laughs> to flash up. I didn't know what it was going to do. I was... I was ready to take a picture of it, but <clears throat> <clears throat> so I, I went down to the stop and go light, the traffic light, and and stopped. And I looked all over. I couldn't find an electric stop sign. And then it occurred to me, oh, he's talking about uh, the traffic light. And later on, I asked someone. They said, yes, it's an electric stop sign, but it's also an electric go sign, isn't it? <clears throat> See. <clears throat> because it tells you to go as much as it tells you to stop. Now, <clears throat> I think uh, Christians really do get bogged down sometimes in stinking thinking. In other words, they, they just get on negative binges. That, uh, they, because we are, we are so uh, sensitive to what's happening in the world, and we want to be. But if you're not careful, you, you, you seem to pull out the bad. You know, you, you just you extract the, the bad from the total content and, and you dwell on it to the point that, 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 that it's almost, you know, you get paranoid about it. Just like nothing good in the world is happening in the world. Absolutely nothing. Nothing good is happening in the world. And uh, that's, that's, that's the way Christians sometimes... Uh, work and function. And so as a result, after a period of time, because they have programmed all this negativeness negativeness in them, that uh, if you're talking about something good, you know, well, that was a good chocolate cake. Yeah, but my, that pie. You know, 
Boy, it was good fried chicken, but oh, that bread was terrible. You know, and so they, they, when you try to carry on a conversation with a person that's entrapped with this, that, that they constantly kind of, you know, kind of stop you in the gap and you can't go any further with the conversation because it's boom and they got something bad to say. Just everything is bad. Everything is bad. So, so you, you know, I, I asked the, the sister one time, I said, does anything good ever happen to you? And I thought she was going to say, yes, Jesus filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I can, I can pray in the Spirit today and, and I can come to church and sing. I said, anything good ever happened to you? Her response was, I thought, oh, no, I'm in trouble. When, when, that long pause, and she was thinking. She said, well, I'm, I'm sure, but right offhand, I can't think of anything. <laughs> so, you know, you become victimized by this, this mindset. And what happens then, uh, <clears throat> you come to church and, and you don't get much good out of it because you see too many bad things. You got your eyes on the bad things. Every little thing that someone does, you know, it's, it's, it's no good. Uh, I don't like disturbances in the house of God. I like for things to be quiet and peaceful, but quite often uh, we'll have a child to cry and someone to get up and take it out and and someone will say, or the ushers will apologize, said, Pastor, I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry. I didn't even know a child was crying. And uh, what did you have your mind on, Pastor? Now, they don't tell me that, but I can, you know, I, well, <clears throat> I guess I had my mind on why I came to church. That you can become so entrenched in why you came that it totally offsets and compensates for a lot of the other things that, that's going on that, that uh, you know, really shouldn't go on because nobody should... Uh, uh, you know, if there are disturbances, they should be taken care of. And uh, you, know, you can understand that. And I'm not saying that I am so heavenly minded that you can do anything and I don't notice it. Because I do come in here, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you hear the statement, I got up on the wrong side of the bed. You know, and uh, I just walked in my office this morning. Brother Thomas met me. Brother Thomas is one of the most positive individuals I've ever known. And uh, how you feeling today? I said, I am feeling fantastic. He said, man, I am too. Such a great day. We got up on the right side of the bed. See? You don't hear much about that, do you? Got up on the right side of the bed. And people use this little cliche, I got up on the wrong side of the bed, to kind of, uh, what should I say, cover up for being crabby. See? Like the man. Somebody asked the man, said, you wake up crabby this morning. He said, no, she was still asleep when I left to go. <clears throat> I knocked on a door the other day, and on the front door there's a sign that says, in this house lives one beautiful person and one old grouch. <clears throat> both of the people, I think it was a humorous statement, both of the people were lovely people, by the way. But uh, I don't know who they thought the grouch was, or I don't know if they had agreed. <clears throat> but uh, you follow what I'm saying. This is what, ha this what this is what happened. And after a while, then people get involved in in the bad news. You know, tr isn't it true that 
when you pick up the newspaper that, you know, you, you seem to seek out the bad things first. seems to be the most interesting. You may say, oh, no, I don't do that. I guarantee you, you do. And the reason why, because the good news is usually little tiny, like this, this about Walter Payton. I consider that good news that this man, who has been idolized by so many of our children, makes such a decisive statement about the evils of TV. Right? You know, but you, you have to understand that it's, it's way in the back corner. You know, it's, it's not something you're going to pick up. It's not headline news, see. It's, it's not there. It is not there. Now, what I'd like to do is take you to Philippians, the third chapter. And we're going to be uh, getting into this study. This is not a preaching message this morning, but I, I just, uh, uh, did I say Philippians 3? All right, it's Philippians 4. Uh, Philippians 3 is close by, and we're going to be, <clears throat> we're going, to be uh, going there also. Uh, Philippians 4 verse 5 said, Let your moderation be known unto all men. Men, the Lord is at hand. All right? Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto the Lord. Now, it's amazing that that when you are making requests, it speaks of supplication, and it also speaks of thanksgiving. Because a person who is thankful, and he is thankful by nature, he is a happy, vivacious type individual. You follow? what I'm, So if, even when you're praying intensely, which supplication is making reference to, when you are intense and sensitive about something that's wrong, you do this with the spirit of thanksgiving. In other words, <clears throat> you have to... You have to consider the context of it all. Why are you allowed to pray about evil things? Because you are saved and you have the mind of Christ. And so as a result, what should you do? You should be glorifying God that God has set you free and he has redeemed you. Now... You have to understand when it speaks of moderation. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, this is an amazing subject to me because the hardest thing in life for a person to do is strike a good balance. That's what I think of when I think of uh, temperance and moderation. Someone who has a healthy balance. You know, I, when I go places and preach outside this church, I very rarely ever. Uh, preach on the do's and don'ts, and I, and you, you got to follow what I'm saying here. To, you know, so I can. I, I personally think if you preach on the principles of the Scripture, you have very few problems with the do's and the don'ts. That that you can you can end up. In which, if you if you have the right philosophy about managing money, you can end up handling money. And budgeting and money and such. If you have the right philosophy about about time and such, the way circumstances, you can end up with a good wholesome schedule in which you just do not run yourself ragged and you have time to enjoy life. 
And if you have the right philosophy about the Scripture, uh, and you're very careful in your relationship with God, you won't be always over here meddling and doing things and going places and looking at things and reading things that you ought not be involved in. You follow what I'm saying? Now, <clears throat> that does not mean that ministers should not spell things out. And sometimes I, I do spell things out uh, much harder than other times. But I like when I'm here to spell things out. When I go other places, I preach on the principles of it. Because individual pastors end up spelling those things out for people. And uh, I know that, you know, a lot of this, a lot of people are saying, well, nobody's going to tell me, you know, we got guests here, but you need, you need to hear me, okay? Uh, nobody's going to tell me how to live. If you come here, I will. You know, that's just the way it works, you know? Because every place I go, if I'm not in charge, somebody tells me what to do. But I will say, let's look at the Scripture, though. Let's find out if we're right. I'm not trying to bully our way through life. I'm just trying to say, this is the way it is. You see, if you do, if you do not have government, you cannot have peace. And government and peace are inseparable. We're going to show you that right here in the Scripture. Isaiah 9 and 6, the Bible says, For unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given, unto us a son is born. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And verse 7 says, And of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. That simply means even in eternity there will be government and peace. If you want to be saved to get to heaven so that nobody can tell you what to do, Your motive is not right. Because the Bible even says concerning the bride of Christ, we shall reign as kings and priests with him in eternity. Well, I may be getting a little bit off track, but uh, uh, I won't charge you anything for this, okay? But to strike a balance is a hard thing. So you need to be sensitive to what's in the world, but you need to not dwell on that to the point that you program yourself to become bitter and negative. This is the reason why Paul says concerning the things of the world, he said, I would that you be ignorant. In other words, there's a lot of things that's happening out there we don't want to know about. We just simply don't want to know about. And I don't know why it's intriguing to people, but, you know, they they, they read stories about a murder and they will get... No, We've got to know every little detail. How many times did he stab her? How deep did the knife go? How much blood was on the floor? Now, <clears throat> you may say, oh, not me, Pastor. Yeah, you. Now, come on. Some of you acting so saintly, like you don't even know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> you know that I know what I'm talking about. All right, let's move on, though. All right, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto, the, unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
Now, what's going to keep your heart and mind? The peace of God. In other words, the peace of God allows you to have total composure and confidence. The first little bad piece of news to some people, they just, you know, they're just like a mainspring in a, a big wind-up clock on the wall. It just breaks. Now, I, I mention that because I remember one time I was winding up one of these eight-day clocks and the mainspring broke. And it kicked a hole in the back of the, I mean, it was an old wooden antique clock. It kicked a hole in the back of that and hit my thumb and almost broke my thumb. And the reason why, because I was trying to get nine days out of an eight-day clock. <clears throat> you don't wind it any tighter than what they tell you to wind it. And I thought, if I just turn this thing one more turn, and I did, and you know what happened? Whew. I mean, it got the best of me. But some people just come unwound. You know, really. Now, you know, even concerning temper, anybody here got a bad temper? Now, I hadn't planned on talking about this, but Rich Thomas has. All right. We have uh, one honest man and 200 liars. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. I know some of you don't. I don't. I meant, uh, you know, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's not true. <clears throat> I'm just joking. Okay. <clears throat> but, but you know, temper. You know what? You know what that actually comes from? It's, it's making reference to the tempering of metal. Did you know that? And what it is that you 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 form a piece of spring steel. And of course, it has the right alloys in it, so that it'll, it'll hold its composure, shape. You, you drop it, you quench it in oil or water. Oil is, you can get a higher uh, rock hardness on, on metal. And that means when you bend it out, what happens? It comes back. It's tempered. It's bent, it bends out of shape, but it comes right back. And when it says hold your temper, you know what that means? It means that, that when something blows your mind, you may spring out a little bit, but you quickly come back. And you know what happens to some people? It's like a, the annealing factor. When they get hot, we use that. And you see, all you have to do for this piece of metal to lose its shape, because it's been tempered, is you anneal it by just taking the heat and put it on it, but you don't quench it again. You know, you don't form it, put it back in the oil. So when it gets hot and you bend it out, guess what happens? It stays bent out. And some people go around all bent out of shape all the time because they got too hot and they didn't go back to the oil the Holy Ghost, and let the Spirit pull them back in place and drop themselves back down in there so that they could hold their shape. You follow what I'm saying? So they say, wonder why she's been out of shape. Maybe I should say he's been out of shape. I think I've been picking on the ladies a little bit recently. Have you ladies noticed that? Somebody told me I had been. They said, Brother Grant, you've been picking on the ladies too much. And it was not a man that told me that, so... <laughs> so, <laughs> but but that's what it's talking about. <clears throat> so the Bible says <clears throat> that the peace of God's what's going to keep you. It's going to keep you. The peace of God. The peace of God. Peace happens to be one of the character traits, one of the fruits of the spirit. 
It's the character trait of God, and it's the part that's responsible for government in your heart. Notice Colossians 3, 5. I'm going the wrong way in my book. Colossians 3, 5. I don't think I'm in the right scripture. In fact, I know I'm not. 3.15, pardon me. Colossians 3.15, the Bible says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now notice it does not say let the God of peace. It says let the peace of God. Now because, you see, when we make God the subject, and I'm not saying God doesn't rule, because he definitely rules through uh, his character traits or through his attributes. But when you say God, what do you think of when you think of God? You think of something that's that's universal, that that is unending, that's omnipresent, that's omnipotent. When we think of the Holy Ghost, you shall receive power. Most of us, when we think of power, we we, we usually think of like a cannon going off or a bomb going off. Could I say something that that we need to get that out of our mind? Because when we think of the power, God's power does not blow up. God's power puts together. It is not like earthly power that always destroys. You know that? Now his blood can wipe it away, but his Holy Spirit puts it together. But some, for some reason, when we think of God, we think of something that's, that is explosive. Man, I'll tell you, that service was explosive. It just blew everything to smithereens. No, it didn't. It put everything together. See, the wisdom that cometh from above is first what? Peaceable. All right. So... Paul did not say, let the God of peace. He is a God of peace. But what he did, he changed this around and he used peace as the subject. And of God is the prepositional phrase that modified, or the adjective, basically, that modifies peace. So what he's saying is that there is a portion of God that's going to rule in your hearts. And when the peace of God rules in your heart, you know what's going to happen? You'll have control of the body. James talks about putting bits in the horse's mouth. And and he talks about the ship being turned by such a small rudder. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the tongue, isn't he? So you put bits in the horse's mouth to control because... As large as the horse is, and as powerful as he is, if you control the head, you control the horse. And if you can control the mind, you can control the person. It's just that way. But God's peace has to come in. You cannot get upset about every little thing. And negative thinking causes you to do this. Ooh, my car broke. Don't know what I'm going to do. 
Well, had an emergency. Well, life just doesn't stop because you had an emergency. And you know, it doesn't get any better because you get bent out of shape about it. And it doesn't get any better because you worry about it. Does it? No. It does not get any better. Now, let's go back to Philippians 4. All right. All right. So Paul then says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Now, <clears throat> let's read it all so we know what he's talking about, and then we'll come back and, and, and analyze this or divide it. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now notice in verse 9, now notice this. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen and may do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now here he's not talking about the rulership. He says if you take that attribute of God's divine character to rule, you have the assurance that all of God will be with you and go with you. Now, he's basically talking about the weapons of our warfare. The weapons of our warfare are mighty, not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down the strongholds of Satan. Isn't that true? Now, <clears throat> worldly thinking and earthly thinking uh, lead to the same results. Now, I wouldn't say they're the, they're the same. Now, if, if you notice back in Colossians 3, 14, Paul says, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. All right? And if anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto have you already attained? Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample or example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Now this he's talking about Christians that become enemies to the very thing that they support, the very thing they endorse. All right, verse 16, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory, and whose glory is in their shame, and who mind earthly things. Now you notice this, mind earthly things. Now this is Philippians 3, 19. Some of you are looking, maybe I didn't tell you, did I? I did not tell you. You're supposed to know, you know. <laughs> All right. The latter part of this, who mind earthly things. Now... I've given you this great revelation before. You know what that means, who mind earthly things? It means they keep their mind on earthly things. That's a real revelation. That means that the sum, uh, I say the sum total, the, the, the bulk of their thinking, the large portion of their thinking is on pianos, pulpits, fans, cars, Clothes, homes, 
What did you get out of church today? I don't know, but it sure was cold. What did you get out of church today? I don't know, but the loudspeaker was sure loud. What did you get out of church today? I don't know. That song that sister sung sure was bad. Now, <clears throat> Susan, I'm not talking about your, your song, okay? You, you follow what I'm saying, though? That's, there, there are people that do this. See, that, they're, they're minding earthly things. That's, they just, everything is, you know. Well, what did you get out of church today? I don't know, but I, ho- I sure hope that parking lot's not slippery next time because I, th- I think, you know, if I pull in again, it's like that. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna go, I'm going home. They keep their mind on earthly things. And people who progress spiritually are people who are able to plow right through earthly things and totally ignore them. This is the reason why tribulation was not such a difficult thing. For Christians, even Jesus said that we should count ourselves worthy when we are involved in tribulation. People that go up in the mountains to hunt, they just expect the weather to be bad. They expect the snow to be deep. You know? They they even have little statements like, well, no pain, no gain. And you try to get people to develop that as a philosophy for Christianity. They say, oh, it sure is hard to live for Jesus. I've heard that. I've heard it so many times I want to just run, stick my head out the window and scream. (laughs) You know, you live for Jesus easy and it's hard. You live for Jesus hard and it's easy. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. But it is that way. It really is. And so... What Paul is basically saying is, can you let Jesus Christ capture your mind? And if He captures your mind, He's captured you. All right, let's just go through this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. What is the opposite of truth? False. Or a lie. I think everyone who has been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, which is the new birth, which is the truth of God's Word, they ought to value truth. They, need to, they ought to love to hear messages about truth. Whatsoever things are, are honest, what's the opposite of honest? The anonym of honest is dishonest. Find ways to cheat. Have you ever in your mind sat around and figured out ways in which you could get ahead by maybe not being quite so open? All right, whatsoever things are just... What would be the opposite of just? Well, we use the word unjust, you know. But basically, it would mean unfair. In other words, are you able to play the game of life fairly? Are you able to do that? Can you be fair? Now, speaking of unjust and how people play 
unfairly. Let's turn to Second Peter 2. Second Peter 2, verse 9. The Bible says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. And the word unjust here means the unfair, people who are not playing the game of life fairly. All right? But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise what? Government. Now, I don't care how you think our government is going. Government is not a dirty word. See, every time the word government is used, you close your eyes and you think of evil politicians. That's part of that negative thinking. We're not talking about that. Because every one of you are involved in that. This man has a wife and children. He's involved in government right in his own home. You follow what I'm saying? And all of you are. And what happens is that if you harshly judge everybody else, you will be judged the same way. You will never understand the operation of government as long as you look at it through a critical eye. And then, of course, ultimately you will end up abusing when your own authority is in force. All right? Okay, they despise government. All right? Presumptuous are they. The book of Psalms talks about presumptuous sins. Basically, what is happening here is that... He's talking about people who just prejudge everything. In other words, they judge it before they even know the details. Psychologically speaking, it's a known fact that 99% of the people believe the first story they hear. Don't they? Proverbs 18.13 tells us, let's just turn there. When I, I talk about this today, I'm feeling good when I talk about this, so. That answereth the matter before he, he heareth it, it is folly and a shame unto him. Now, at the same time, uh, are in the same line of consideration. Let's go to John, the seventh chapter. John, the seventh chapter, the Gospel of John, the seventh chapter, verse 51. Doth our law judge any man before ye hear him and know what he doeth? You you know, this is the reason why that you have to be careful when when people just tell you things. You really do. And this, this is especially true. You need... If you're trying to help someone spiritually or trying to help someone with any problem they have and there's someone involved, all of which you have do not have access to, oh, you have to be very careful by jumping on the bandwagon because when you start assuming things, 
before you know, your advice will not be correct. You know that? All right. So, presumptuous sin in the Bible is something that God always just, I mean, came down hard on. Well, I know they didn't do this because... And you go into this long line of logic. But you have no evidence in that particular point where the person did or did not. So as a result, you're just jumping to conclusions, see? You know what happens when you jump to a conclusion? You usually leave your mind behind. <clears throat> really? You know? So you jump to conclusion, you leave your mind behind, see? You know, you get out there and you start slinging mud with everybody else. You know the old statement, he who slings mud loses ground. You know, and it just works that way. All right? Presumptuous are they, self-willed. Self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Speaking of the authorities over them. There are people that are not afraid to do that. Well, they don't even think anything about it. They think that somehow they're so righteous and so holy. God has sent them on a journey through life to straighten everybody out. All right. Now notice verse 11. Listen to this line. line. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might... Angels which are greater in power and how are angels greater in power and might than you? The Bible says the angels of God encamp round about those that love him and fear him. All right. There are unseen guests in this building today. And when you leave here, God's angels will go with you. Now that simply means that the angels of God are able to look down and see every deed that you do. But when they appear before the throne of God, they bring not railing accusation as against them before the Lord. How would you like for everything you did to be public? How would you like? You say, oh, no. And rightfully so. Isn't that true? Rightfully so. And, but, but the angels, they see all this. And the Bible says, but they have enough respect that they will not bring railing accusations against everything they see that's wrong. Someone came and told me a, a story of something they were going to do. Well, first place, they had already started doing it when they told me. I never even, I was not their pastor. I never said a word. But what happened is they went all the way across two or three states and said, Well, I told Brother Grant, and he said it was okay. Then they called me, and that they were doing something that affected somebody else. The person called me and said, Did you tell this person it was okay? I said, I did not. I picked up the phone and called the person. I said, I did not tell you that what you were doing was okay. Yes, you did. I said, I did not. Well, I talked to you about it. I said, Yes. Well, you never gave me advice. I said, look, when you call me, you call me to inform me. 
you already had your trailer loaded. You were already on your way. You were going to do something that you knew you should not do. That's the reason why you call me. And you had already made up your mind. Well, how could you just stand there and say, you better not do that. I said, look, you are a mature adult. If you knew it was wrong, you did not need somebody else to tell you it was wrong. Well, how can you just stand there? I said, look, I am not your judge nor your leader. And there is such a thing as keeping your mind in neutral on some things. Now, what you did was wrong. You know it's wrong. And I suggest you load your trailer up and get out of there again. Just like you got, you know, just like you got in there, you get out of it. All right. Well, I've got to I've got to wind this up. Okay. Now, why would I take a whole Sunday morning and talk like this? Well, number one, all of us need this. But secondly, you have to understand. You see, the Scripture tells us the just shall live by faith. And all of these negative things, all of these negative things crucify faith within us. They work against us. In Philippians, the second chapter, we keep backing up in the book of Philippians. Notice this. Let this mind, which is in you, let this mind be in you, pardon me, which also, or was also, in Christ Jesus. There were some blind people that came to Jesus, two blind men. In Matthew, the ninth chapter, and when Jesus departed thence, verse 27, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Now, there was a lot of things told about Jesus. It were just lies. You know, the thing about it is, <clears throat> Paul says, and I didn't read all of this. We didn't go all the way through it. I've run out of town. T- town. <laughs> oh, I'm going to drink a glass of water on this one. I'm running out of time. <laughs> he talks about whatsoever things be lovely. You, you know, the opposite of lovely would be hateful. Did you know that? Some people are just plain hateful. Just hateful. If you ask them to do this, they're going to do that. If you tell them to go over here, I'm going to go over here. Now, all of you have had self-willed kids, haven't you? Hard-willed children. You haven't? <clears throat> I have. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry, John. Now, he wasn't one of them, you know. <laughs> Good to have John and Lori with us. Um, they have uh, some boys in Sunday school class, and I know, you know that some of these kids are, are, are strong-willed. And uh, Steve has a strong-willed son, Sister Washburn, Brother Washburn. You know that, don't you? They all take after their grandmothers. 
Oh, I see Roy. I didn't see Roy. I better move on. I, I'm going to be run out of town for sure. <laughs> but isn't it something? We carry some of this in our adult life. You know how little kids are. They just be, they just become just plain hateful about things. Just, I don't like her. I hate her. You know, I hate my dad. I hate my mom. You ever heard that? <clears throat> we grow up and we still have those feelings, you know. And then, of course, it talks about the bad report. It talks about the good report. We should think on good reports and see that the, the difference in the good report and the bad report is this, that the gospel is the good news, the gossip is the bad news. See, that's the difference. So we should be preaching the gospel, not the gossip. Okay. All right. Let's go back to these, these blind men, okay? Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Now the gospel is the good news in view of all the bad things that have been told and said about Jesus. There were some people that still manifested faith in him. They believed in the God of Israel. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye not that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Nothing good ever happens to us. Well, I don't know. Why would God want to touch me? You see, when you get bogged down in this, it affects the way you look at yourself even. You can't even think that God could do any good thing for you. They did not say that. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith. Can you believe that God loves you and cares for you? Can you believe that? Can you believe that God wants to deliver you from everything that's destroying you? If you're wrapped up in drug abuse, God can set you free. If you're wrapped up in alcohol, God can set you free. If you're wrapped up in a relationship with someone that's not proper, God can set you free. If you have physical problems, God can set you free. He can do it. What I need to do, you need to change your mind about a few things. Repentance starts with a change of mind. I know I'm a sinner, but I know God loves me. I know I've done wrong, but through Christ I can do better. Praise God. I'd like you to stand with me at this time, if you would. Praise God. The discipline of the mind is so necessary just in order to receive any gift that comes from God. This is especially true in this age in which the mind has been so programmed by evil forces. There is a devil and a world that's bidding for control of your mind. Would you let the God of heaven come and touch you today? 
We're going to ask all of our saints throughout the building, if they would, to just pray right now. Bow your heads, would you? Let's pray. Let's ask God to set people free today. Would you do this, O Lord? Would you set someone free today? Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Heavenly Lord, we're thankful, God. We're thankful, God, for you. Oh, thank you, Lord, that one day you came and delivered me from myself. In Jesus' name. As our praise singers prepare to sing, we're going to give you an opportunity to come and give your heart to the Lord. If you need deliverance, step out right now and come. You can stand or kneel here in front of the pulpit or on this darker carpet here. We have people be glad to come and pray with you. Step out right now. Come on. Praise God. Some of you sisters come and gather around Michelle if you would. Others are coming. Oh God. Come on right now. Oh hallelujah. 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 Come on right now. And the things People from all over the building are coming. Come on right now. We'll grow Come on. This will make your day. Oh, hallelujah. Yes.